We would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land in which we record this podcast today, the Arakwal people of the Bunjalong Nation, and pay our respects to Elders past and present. Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums to be, and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported, and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Hello, Jane. Hello, Sophie and everybody listening. How are we this week? I feel like we have to say this every week that we've got to keep the intro short because we have children home who aren't meant to be home. (laughs) Correct. This is true. But that is just winter when you have young kids. So if you hear violent coughing in the background, everyone is okay. It's just one of those lingering dry coughs. My child is fine and she's having the day off daycare. But yeah, I've quickly popped Pearl down for a nap. I've set up her with a game. So I'm, I feel like I'm on borrowed time, but I'm here and I'm ready to roll. That's good. I've got Yumi currently next to me in the pod, but she's being a good girl. She's turned down her iPad very low and (laughs) we have about five minutes of attention span. So we will get into it. Do you have any highs this week? I do have highs and I think we probably have a shared high that last week we had our first live podcast recording. It's going to be coming out this week as a bonus episode. It was an incredible morning at the farm in Byron Bay talking all about about newborn myths versus facts. And we chatted to the beautiful Claire, the midwife, all about these things, trying to dial down the noise on just unhelpful, inaccurate newborn information. But it was it was once again one of those events that was just so beautiful to meet our listeners in real life and to remind ourselves that we're not just talking to one another, we are talking to other people. And yeah, it was just a, a cup filler. And speaking of noise, I was just so (laughs) like blown away about the fact that we had a whole room full of women plus babies slash toddlers and they were relatively well behaved and quiet, including the women. It was like, I really expected it to be like just a room full of women is loud enough. We thought the live podcast was going to have to have a real apology at the start going sorry about the background noise. But I mean, the babies were just hooked on what we were saying. Oh, they were frothing. They were drooling. Oh, I've got a little visitor. One second. How long was that? Two minutes? (laughs) So, yeah, we're going really well. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's been two hours since we've done this intro. We're still going. (laughs) What were we talking about? (laughs) I don't know. I want to add to your recommendation of last week, which was the Barbie movie. I went with Poppy. We went on a little afternoon date last week and I was a bit worried. She's five. I know it's a like, you know, it's not designed for kids. It is a grown up movie. We had a blast. She had no freaking idea what was happening. You know, some people were like, oh, isn't it too like anti-man and too this and too that for a five-year-old? Honestly, she had no idea what was happening. It was the colours. It was the colours. It was the costumes. It was the songs. It was the dancing. I will say it does go, I feel like it's two hours and it could have been 90 minutes. We both got a little bit fidgety towards the end, but we both loved it. So I feel like if you've got a five-year-old who's into Barbies, they may enjoy it. I must admit, I was crying in parts. I was laughing in parts. I loved every single minute of it and I could have had it go for like four hours. But saying that, if I had have brought Yumi, which I did do once, I've seen it twice, but if I had have brought Yumi, like she obviously wouldn't have sat the whole way there. So I think definitely five and above if you're interested in bright colours and it's fun. And, yeah, if you can have a little date, it's so special. Yeah, we've been trying to make an effort. I feel like at the start both of our older kids were obsessed with Pearl. She's actually just hit six months, big milestone, cannot believe it. And I feel like it's starting to sink in that Nick and I are stretched. Do you know what I mean? That we have a lot of kids to look after. So we've started trying to 
have little one-on-one moments where we can. So I took Poppy to go see the Barbie movie. Nick took Goldie to bounce on Friday morning. But I think we did it the wrong way around. Goldie and Nick are so close and she definitely has a parental preference for him. And then I think my (laughs) nine months with hyperemesis and then having a newborn hasn't helped that situation. So I feel like next week we need to make a conscious effort that I'm the one that gets the one-on-one date with Goldie (laughs) because I feel like we're feeding a monster here and she's just getting more and more attached to him. We've actually had a lot of people write in and say that they would love an episode on parental preference. Often the people that have been writing in have said that their kids prefer them and are really mean to their partner. But actually in my household, Goldie has a very definite, obvious preference for my husband. So if anyone has any recommendations, do we speak to a child psychologist? Do we speak to an adult psychologist? Who do we talk to? I would love to have this chat. Let us know on the Facebook groups and we'll we'll make it happen. Now tell me anything more about your week. Look, today I actually I went to give Yumi her four-year immunizations, and that's the last one until she's a teenager. And yes, she's nearly five. <laughs> I'm a bit late on the uh on that. But anyway, I took her out for a baby chino and a muffin beforehand just to really butter her up and she like honestly she's the third child she was so excited to just sit with me and just have one-on-one time it's just the tiny little things and it melted my heart she was like this restaurant mom it's just so beautiful but I just don't think that they put the lid on my baby chino properly but it's okay because <laughs> we don't really mind but the, what what she was saying she was going on and on about everything and then I sort of realized I was like I never spend quality time yeah. with you because we're either working we've got three kids or you know something is going on and I thought nah I'm gonna have a whole day with you girlfriend are so- we going through the same mid-year realization I think so but I felt like you know I went and took her to the park afterwards and she can swing on a swing herself. So I just watched her and waved as she did that. You're like, I'm still not getting up. I love you. And I'm, yes. and you know, I'm loving this one-on-one time, but I'm still sitting my ass here. Yes. And I'm watching you and waving from a distance. Then she went down the slide and then we took her back and she wanted to go home and play dolls, dress up. And it's just been nice. I feel like I don't know what it is. It's maybe because she's going to school next year. We we enrolled her, so she went to the big school and we had a walk around. And I don't know, it's just a mixture of feelings. And I know that I guess at my end right now, we don't have a lot of like it's, yes, she can be a handful, but it's a really nice age. No one's like everyone's being relatively okay. Touch wood. And they're not, yeah, touch wood. And look, we've been through the bloody, you know, rigmarama of kids but I just I don't know it's just something really special at the moment that I'm trying to absorb I'm sure next week she'll just be you know <laughs> that's fine and you can update us and I think there is something I think that what has sparked my all my feels this week is not only Pearl turning six months and I'm like where the hell did that time go we had our enrollment for Poppy's school last week as well and it suddenly hit me that I was like I'm gonna have this school kid who's gonna be at school five days a week like uh, the only time we get to spend like long amounts of time with her is school holidays. And yeah, I feel like I all of a sudden was, it's funny because she's my first and Yumi's your last and we probably feel the same, but different. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't believe I'm here and you probably can't believe you're there. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's a big deal all of a sudden. And I'm it just like, deal. oh my gosh, I'm going to have a school child. It's weird that we are both feeling those feels on a mm. different level, but it is, it's quite overwhelming. And, and I love that, that you've gone, Yep, you can stay home today. Poppy coughed like once and I was like, yep, you can stay home today. I'll reschedule my day. I know. I think we've run out of time. So we'll just get straight into today's episode because we both have children hanging off us and I'm scared Pearl will wake up any minute. But I loved this chat. We chatted all about mixed feeding with Susie Prout, who's a lactation consultant. And I feel like she made it so much more clear. There's a lot of mm. fear around mixed feeding. And yeah, I I just, I love this. Yeah, absolutely love this chat. I've actually got to go because Yumi is just over this now. So we hope you guys absolutely <laughs> enjoy this episode. And yeah, we're clearly. Sorry if that intro made absolutely no sense. Awesome. Okay. Bye. Yeah. Good luck with your bye. day. Bye. See ya. <laughs> yeah, laters. 
Hello, Susie, and welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us again. For those that don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, sure. Great to be back. So yeah, I'm Susie Prout. I run Susie Prout Lactation, which is a breastfeeding, bottle feeding, all types of however you want to feed your baby programs and memberships all online. I'm a midwife and an international board certified lactation consultant. I'm from Perth. We live in Indonesia as a family. And so I, I do lots of things on over on Instagram and online and through do-it-yourself kind of programs. Amazing. And we've chatted to you before about weaning and that chat went so well. Everyone loved that. So we've got you back today to actually talk about mixed feeding, which is an area that I'm super passionate about. I've done it all three times by choice, kind of for freedom reasons. But I mean, I know there's lots of different reasons why mixed feeding happens. And I think people are just a bit overwhelmed as to where to start, what to do. Am I going to stuff this up? Am I going to ruin this journey by doing this? And I know on Instagram, ever since I've said that every now and again, we give pearl formula, people have been like, but how do you do that? So I'm really excited to have a bit more of an in-depth chat about this topic today. Yeah, absolutely. It does get a little bit of a bad rap. I think that people are so scared to give their baby a drop of formula because then breastfeeding is going to go out the window and it's such a big thing to get breastfeeding right. And then once you've got breastfeeding right, it's another thing to throw into the mix. <laughs> That's what you want to do or sometimes you have to do it. And there's a lot of fear because there's a, there's no education around this. There's no there's nowhere to go and read about mixed feeding. There's lots of pumping stuff. There's lots of just bottle with, with formula and just breastfeeding, but Mixed together? No, not much out there. Mm. Well, let's get stuck in. What is mixed feeding and what constitutes it? Yeah, sure. So mixed feeding is if you are breastfeeding or you are pumping and giving your baby express breast milk and you were giving formula as well. So it's mixed feeding is not if you are breastfeeding and giving your baby express milk in a bottle. That's exclusively breastfeeding. So we consider exclusively breastfeeding no matter if your baby takes it from the breast or from the bottle. But mixed feeding is if you're mixing the two types of milk and you're doing some breast, then you're doing maybe you're doing some breast milk in a bottle and you're doing some formula in a bottle as well. And what are the reasons or some reasons that people mix feed? Yeah, so there's kind of two camps because some people don't have a choice. There's some ladies, not many out there, it, it's uh, kind of overdiagnosed, but there is insufficient glandular tissue, which is something that um, ladies cannot make enough milk for their baby. And so those ladies will choose to either have donor milk um, of breast milk or will do as much breast milk as they can and then formula. So there's those ladies. Some ladies have a low milk supply in terms of getting breastfeeding off to a tricky start. Maybe they didn't make enough milk then and then it carries on. And so then those ladies will often do mixed feeding as well, not by choice. There's also, you know, vast majority of ladies that are doing it for reasons, you know, like you, you know, just want to be able to have that ease when you go out to not have to pre-plan the expressing, not have to think, okay, how many bottles of, of breast milk am I going to need? And what if they run out or what if it spills over on the counter? Yeah. And there's that liquid gold. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then there's also the storage of breast milk. So sometimes that can get, get a little bit overwhelming. And a lot of the time mums make just enough milk for their baby. And so this was mm. certainly with me. And that so for me to then be able to get extra was quite hard. And I know a lot of mums will uh, agree with this and that they finally got their breast enough breast milk for their baby. And then to now try and get extra. Yeah. You know, it's all a bit much. And then there's going back to work, there's going to weddings, there's all different reasons, whether it's by the medic the medical stuff and then also the lifestyle. So 10 years ago, I felt overwhelmed when it came to what bottle I was going to choose to introduce my child to. And I don't know if it's any different now, Sophie, you'll probably be able to speak to that more, but I really felt overwhelmed going, is it 
a bottle teat that's supposed to mimic mine? Is it like these different brands out there? There are so many different bottles and teats and ways to feed. And I was purely doing it because I always struggled at the start when it became time to breastfeed. I had cracked nipples. I wanted to give it a bit of a break. I also wanted someone to help me out every now and then. So that's why I chose a bottle. But when is it best to introduce a bottle? And how do you avoid bottle preference? Yeah. So babies will take a bottle really easily in the first six to eight weeks of their life because their sucking reflex is involuntary. So you put something in their mouth, they're going to suck on it. But when it gets to over eight weeks, it's voluntary. And so if you are really wanting your baby to take a bottle, you need to introduce it within the first eight weeks. And if you are leaving it to say four months or so, that's also fine. Some babies will take a bottle and some babies will have bottle refusal. So that's the first part is that certainly you're not going to go, you know, crazy on bottles in the first eight weeks you wanting if you're wanting to breastfeed. It's going to have to be no more than one bottle in 24 hours. And generally as a top-up of breast milk or formula after a breastfeed. So then you're not doing that is not going to affect your breastfeeding relationship. You're still doing the same amount of breastfeeds, majority from the breast. And you've got one bottle in there as a top up in the first eight weeks. And that's something. And then you would, once baby takes that bottle well, you do that say every second day and you continue it. If you forgot about it for a couple of weeks and then at 16 weeks tried to do it again, chances are baby would refuse that. Right. So mm. that, yeah, so that's the first thing is when you would introduce it if that's what you're wanting to do but bearing in mind to not go too crazy with it and then in terms of choosing as you say like what there's so many bottles out there what to choose it's not a huge deal if you're just doing ad hoc bottles as to what to choose if your baby is doing bottle refusal we have to look at bottles a little bit more and trial and error with them but if if your baby's happy with a bottle I don't really mind what bottle they take because there's a lot of bottles out there and marketing is very interesting in that there's lots of marketing out there saying this is the most, this mimics breastfeeding or anti-colic or the less air goes in. They're all really the same. And there's absolutely no bottle out there that mimics breastfeeding because when we breastfeed, our nipples are so, so stretchy and go right to the back of the soft palate. And no, You're telling me. Yeah. <laughs> no bottle can do that. So really, if you're just doing an ad hoc bottle, it doesn't matter. You choose a couple of bottles that are a bit different in shape out there, choose the cheapest ones because there's so many expensive bottles that will promise you the world and ladies will end up spending $200 on, on, you know, seven different bottles and really you could just go down to Woolworths, which is what I do, and get the $4 bottles. I found that if you need to find another bottle and you've lost your special one, you are not going to wait a week for it to come in the mail. You want to know where that bottle is. And yeah, Woolies or somewhere is usually where you find it. But even with what you're saying, I mean, what you're saying about when to introduce it, you see why it becomes so overwhelming. On one hand, we're often told by people, oh, you know, don't use a dummy, don't use a bottle in that first six weeks. It's crucial. It's going to stuff everything up. And then on the other hand, we're saying sucking is involuntary in the first six weeks. Make sure you introduce it in the six weeks. So I do just want to say to everyone listening, there's a reason you're <laughs> feeling overwhelmed and it's because it's confusing because we're told these two things that are the opposite of each other and you know but but I guess as you're saying you can start slowly and you know one a day don't go crazy and so both things can be true yes absolutely and it's, it seems like everything just seems so black and white with bottles and breasts and everything but we just need to And it's very hard as a new mum because we're being told different things. But if we really just think about it and we think about, okay, if you know that you're going to be going back to work at three months or something like that, or you know you're going to want a bottle in the future, if you just think about in reality, really, is my baby going to care if I have one 40 mil little top up every 24 hours. That's not going to affect anything. We've just got to think about it like that. We don't want you to be doing every second feed as a bottle. We don't want Mm. you missing feeds in the first six to eight weeks if you can help it. But, you know, there's a way to do everything. It's we've just got to really think about why sometimes. And so what are the pros and cons of mixed feeding early? So, for example, if you were to start it around that four-week mark. Yeah, so... The risk of of mixed feeding, if we don't do it properly, is 
quite large in terms of the, the risk of the chance that your breastfeeding journey will end before you want your journey to end is higher if you introduce a bottle and we don't do it in a way that's safe for our breastfeeding. So the risks are, one, the main thing is um, breast refusal. So once a baby is has got a bottle down pat, they generally prefer bottles over breasts because bottles, the milk comes out the same way every single time. There's always mm-hmm. air in the bottle. It's just there where with breasts, you've got to work for the letdown. Then the letdown's quite overwhelming and full on. Then it's waning a bit. Sometimes there's more milk in the, in the breast. Sometimes there's not. A baby can control that bottle really well. And so when they start to do a bottle a lot, they will often take that over the breast obviously we're dealing we deal with bottle refusal that's because once if a baby is only doing breasts they obviously don't want to do something different either but if we're doing a bottle a lot at the start then the breast refusal is a big thing and that's very hard to overcome once a baby has decided right going to like that but that's if we're using the bottles too much the other really big thing and this is why your breastfeeding relationship can end sooner than you want it to is milk supply. So in those first certainly eight weeks, and it goes on your whole breastfeeding journey, really, we're doing supply and demand. And so, for example, if you were like, right, I'm actually going to miss out on a you know, middle of the night feed, I'm going to leave a bottle of formula, I'm going to do a breastfeed at 7 p.m. And then when baby wakes, the partner can give a, a big bottle of formula fill baby up, and then I'll do another breastfeed when they wake up. Then if you're still in the early days and you're missing like eight hours of breastfeeding, what's that going to tell your body? Your body's going to think, oh, hang on, I don't need to make milk at this time of the day for about eight hours. So I'm just going to lower the amount of milk I make over a 24-hour period. And so you're going to have Normally our bodies, if we're exclusively breastfeeding, we'll make about 750 mils of breast milk in 24 hours. And then that might drop to 650 because the body's like, well, we just, why would we make it if we don't need it? And then slowly but surely you have less milk in your breasts. So your baby has had a big bottle of formula, has a a breastfeed and is like, hang on, my tummy's quite quite used to having this big formula now. I'm going to whinge. I'm not going to be happy. Mm. And then you're like, oh gosh, I might just top up with some formula because they're not happy, do some formula. So then again, making less milk. And then the next time, again, there's not as much milk and it goes, You before you even realise you're doing it, suddenly you've got 50% of a daily breast milk amount that your body is making and suddenly your baby's like, why am I getting these measly amounts in the breast? I don't want that. I want a full bottle. And then you've got an unhappy baby. You haven't got enough milk. Then you get breast refusal and that's when it starts to unravel. But I'm saying this is in like, this is just if we do it in a way that we just are like, right, I'm just going to do a bottle here, a bottle there and and whatever. I'm just going to be mixing and mixing. But if you're doing it where you're doing it at an, as an ad hoc basis. So it's like, right, okay, I know that on Tuesday I need to go and do some work, so I'm going to have two formula bottles. But then, you know, Wednesday and Thursday is going to be absolutely fine. Might go out on Friday night for drinks, so baby will have a bottle of formula, you know, when we go out for dinner. But I know that I'll then breastfeed when bubs wakes in the night. And over the course of the week, you might have a few bottles of formula. That's not going to affect anything. Right. Okay. You know, so if you're doing it on a reg, if you make anything regular, and if we do anything with breastfeeding, if we do something for three days, so if we were to do a bottle of formula at midday instead of a breastfeed for three days in a row, We know that then, so you did that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we know that then on Thursday you're going to have less milk at that Mm. time of the day. You can pick it back up. You know, if you're then doing breastfeeds for four days, you can pick that right back up. But it's a a fine balance. I'm not against it, not, not at all, but it's a fine balance of getting it to work. So, for example, if it is I want the baby to have a bottle because I'm going to work but I'm pumping while I'm at work when the baby would be feeding, there's less of that risk, right? Because you're still telling your 
boobs to create that supply. Yeah, absolutely. If we were pumping, that's not a concern at all because we're still being like, let's drain the breast. And every time we drain the breast, when you have an empty breast, that's when messages are sent to your body or your brain to say the breast is empty, make more. So if you have a full breast, messages are sent to your body to say the breast is full, make less. And so the more that we empty it, the more that the messages are sent out to make more. A question about that overnight bottle, because obviously if we're trying to give a bottle so that our partner can feed the bub and we can get some more sleep, there's no point of then waking up at that point and pumping while your baby's having a bottle next to you. Every time I've done that, even if I then have continued to do the feeds overnight, when I wake up in the morning, I'm more full than I would normally be in the morning. So generally I take that opportunity to pump. Is that fine even though you're pumping at a different time to when the bottle was given? Does that make sense? It does make sense. And I think what Susie might say is to not pump because if you let your body just regulate for three days, it will... No, but I don't want to lose the supply. Overnight though? Yeah. Let's take it to Susie. Susie, <laughs> what can you tell us? Yeah, what, so you mean the professional that's yeah, right weird, hey? last week? <laughs> um, if you if yeah, if you're not wanting to lose a supply and you're wanting to make sure that the next night if you don't want to do the the formula you're gonna have milk there, then I would if feed your baby in the morning and pump the leftover milk out. But some ladies will not want to be making much milk overnight because they're wanting to change to formula, they will let their boobs regulate. But the risk is now some mums, it's okay. They Their bodies will still make enough in the day for their babies, but some mums won't. And so even though we are still breastfeeding in the day, but not at night, our bodies are very temperamental with breast milk and some mums will then not make enough over a 24 hour period. So it depends what you're wanting to do. But in saying that, if you're like, right, I am wanting to have one break of a 24 hour in a 24 hour period, and this would be over six weeks old. So leave it for the first four to six weeks or so. But if you're saying, I want to have one formula bottle in the night every single night as a regular thing and I'm just going to sleep through that feed but every other feed in your 24 hours is always going to be a breastfeed that should be okay you will make less milk but you are giving less milk so you're not giving one so that should be okay that shouldn't be a problem and if you did that you were like that's what I'm going to do and if you did that and after about a week you were like, actually, I'm noticing that I'm actually not really making that much on the other times. Maybe I'm worried about a low supply. If you were then like, right, I'm going to take that formula feed out and then I'm going to just breastfeed, you should be able to increase your supply over a week anyway back to normal. So when we do mix feed, we've got to be really uh, we've just got to watch our breasts because as soon as we notice a supply difference, we can be, hang on, maybe I've gone a little bit crazy with the formula this week. I'm just going to pump a bit more, breastfeed a bit more and try and bring it up. It's when we leave it for weeks and we just give more and more formula. And then I have ladies coming to me as clients and we, you know, we do a 24-hour measurement of all their, their breast milk and we realise, okay, it's it's pretty low now and we never you never realised it was. And what are some benefits of it? Okay, yes. So benefits, I like to say that if you are happy in your breastfeeding, and that's why obviously I do a bottle refusal program, which is very random for an IBCLC to do, because I truly believe that if you're happy with breastfeeding and you don't feel overwhelmed with the fact that it's only you that can feed your baby, if you're happy, I feel that you're going to have a longer more successful breastfeeding journey. So if you're one of those people that will be overwhelmed with the fact that you cannot feed your baby in any any other way, and then you have this option, you might feel more relaxed in the process and you might enjoy your breastfeeding more because you don't feel like it's only you. And Mm, so a lot of mums will come to me at, you know, five months old of a baby and they're like, I can't do this anymore. I can't breastfeed anymore. Um, I'm stopping. It's all too much where I can be like, hang on. You don't, it's not one way or the other. 
you, you're still breastfeeding if you're giving a bottle of whether it's breast milk or formula. You're still breastfeeding. You don't have to only breastfeed. As long as we do this properly, you can do whatever you want. And then mums will then come to me and be like, great, you know, like now I can continue because someone's given me the opportunity to actually be able to go out for a wine on a Friday night with the girls and not be like, I can't ever do that. So the, the lifestyle thing is the benefit. And I have so, so many clients who go back to work very early in their journeys and are working jobs that for a a teacher, for example, I was working with someone, she can't just go out the classroom and pump. You think you can, certainly for me as a midwife, and it seems ridiculous when I was working at Labour and Birth Suite and I was wanting to pump Yes, there is a policy that we can go and and pump, but I'm sorry, but if you're working with a woman in labour, sometimes you just can't. And Mm. so there are some situations where if these ladies didn't have the option of being able to give their baby formula, their happiness with breastfeeding, their happiness with having their baby, it would just be, it would be a total disaster. So the benefits for this is that we might, be able to have a happier breastfeeding journey and a happier mum if there's a situation where they need to give their baby a bottle. I think that was definitely me. I mean, I've breastfed the first, my first two girls for 14 months each. And I don't think there's any way I could have done that if it was all on me every single feed. And, and even though they did take a bottle, it got to the point, as we said earlier, where making sure I'd pumped enough, you know, like if if I was pumping enough to be out for quite a number of hours, that could take two or three days or longer to get to that point. And I remember when Poppy was about six months old, I stopped planning things for myself because I thought the stress of mm. making sure I have enough milk to then be able to go and relax was Wasn't more stressful it. than the relaxation mm. itself. And so when we actually finally said, oh, well, a formula bottle here or there is like we could give that a go. I was then like, oh, it doesn't matter if I'm delayed in getting home. It doesn't matter if she randomly wakes up and is more hungry than usual. It doesn't matter, as you said, if Nick spills the bottle as he's preparing it because there's always more there. Yeah, absolutely. And when we think about the benefits of breast milk, if 80% of our baby is getting breast milk and then there's 20% of getting formula, you're still getting the benefits of breast milk. It's not like it's watered down. You're still getting mm. the benefits of breast milk. And formula as an addition to breast milk, formula is not a bad thing. It's not like it's bad for you. It's not like you're giving your, your kid McDonald's. It's not bad for you. It's just that we're <laughs> wanting them to have breast milk. So they Be can nice to McDonald's. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I did feed my kids with last night and I had some too. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I know what you mean. I feel like, you know, and we are all about fed is best around here, whether that's full formula, exclusively breastfed, or somewhere in between, as we're my talking kids. about. But I feel like some people do think, oh, if I give my baby one bottle of formula, then all the goodness of breast milk is just wiped out. And we actually had someone who wrote in saying, my midwife told me that formula coats the stomach and prevents breast milk absorption. Never heard no. of that in my oh, life. Yeah, the look on your face is telling me no. <laughs> No, it, it it's we're, we're wanting the we're wanting our babies to have breast milk for the antibody properties, which you're getting that. It doesn't matter if you have a little bit of formula every now and then as well. You're still getting the the benefits. And whenever you stop breastfeeding, that's fine. It's not like we're saying you have to you have to breastfeed for a certain amount of time. It's when you're ready. And, and you've decided, then that's that's when it's time. What I love about mixed feeding is the mental freedom that you get that comes with it. Because I was struggling every time, you know, I would have any child. And as soon as I think I had my first child, I had a friend of mine that had two kids already. And she just simply said, just do formula every now and then. Give your breast a break do this and you'll be fine. And it was only until someone, you know, told me that I was like, oh, and I didn't know any of this information about 80% of breast milk and this, this and this back then. But I think with people that have knowledge about that and that want to do mixed feeding and want to still breastfeed, it's just a really nice space to know mentally that you can, you can still go out and have time to yourself and you can also feed your baby that how you want to feed your baby. Let's talk about tips on getting started. So many people have said 
but how do you do it? Yeah, sure. So depends on how at what stage you're wanting to introduce. So if you're wanting to introduce a bottle, so your baby will take a bottle in those first six to eight weeks, what you can do then is because you're only needing a little bit of milk because we're just doing it now to just learn, the easiest way is to just express some breast milk off in the morning because you're going to have extra milk in that first six to eight weeks because there's going to be a lot there usually. And we're not leaving our baby to go out. We're just learning that the the bottle first so what you can do is just get a bit of leftover milk 40 mils or so in the morning when you have a lot of leftover milk after um, a feed or you can catch some in the hucker or whatever and then you can pop that in the fridge doesn't need to go in the freezer because you're going to be using it in the evening and then you you breastfeed your baby as normal and you give that to your baby afterwards and Hmm. that's purely to learn the bottle that's just to learn the bottle then you've got the bottle your baby's under six to eight weeks. They're, they've just had their breast milk and then you know how to use the bottle. Now you know how to do that. So that's one part done. And then you're wanting to, okay, now I want to go to the hairdresser and I don't have enough milk to express. I don't want to express whatever. And you're missing one feed. So your, your, your baby's going to miss one feed when you're out. Then it's as simple as just breastfeeding your baby at home when you go out, before you go out, go out. Your baby has a a formula bottle at home. And then when you come back, you're going to be ready for the, you've you've missed one feed. So you're going to be ready to then feed. You're going to feel pretty full and you don't need to do anything. You don't need to express. It was only just one feed that you missed. When you put your baby on, they might cough and splutter a bit or find it a bit tricky to latch because you're probably feeling quite rock hard because it might be like, you know, five or six hours down the track. Mm. If your baby can't attach, then you can express a little bit, hand express a little bit around the areola so it's a bit softer. Babies need to attach to a soft boob and then they can get on and just just watch because sometimes they have so much because there's so much milk there that then they can have a bit of a spew, can a bit of a cough or a splutter. But other than that, you know, that's just one feed. It's it's fine. It's when you're like, right, actually, I need to go out for two or th- missing two or three feeds. I need to go out like most of the day. Then you're going to have to express not because I'm saying you need to use the breast milk, don't have to, but you you will have to express because you can't leave your breasts that long because it will mm. be really painful and the chance of getting a block duct mastitis engorgement is quite high because your body is not used to that. You will literally have rock hard boobs and you won't be able to concentrate on anything else. So that's when you'd probably have to take a pump and pump maybe a cup one or two times when you're out and then you can always keep that milk baby or whatever you want to do. Is there a reason, because there's a couple of times that I've gone to Jade's house to record and I've forgotten my pump and it's after the second feed I've missed. It's not even the pain. My brain, like I cannot, I get really anxious. I cannot hold conversation. I all of a sudden switch and, and obviously it's because I feel like I need to be back home with my baby. Like I get this real feeling of having something missing from me and it's so overwhelming. You can't concentrate on anything. Is that hormonal? Because it's more than the pain and discomfort. It's this complete brain fog and like desperation. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I don't know what it's from, but it's it's so normal. So many ladies say that. And I felt exactly the same when I used to do night shifts and come home in the morning with these rock hard boobs. You just, yeah, it's an absolute desperation. And I wonder if it's our, if, you know, if it's nature's way of telling us, yeah. okay, mm. enough now, enough now. <laughs> Enough's enough, girl. Get, get home. <laughs> <laughs> How nice is it though when you go out for the, you miss one feed and you haven't done this for a long time, you feel so normal. Like you go to the supermarket just to do a food shop, but you're like, hang on, I've just breastfed. That means I've got not only just one hour, because if I'm giving the bottle, I've got a few more hours and you just feel like that tiny bit of freedom is like all you need. And then when you come back, you're like, okay. Oh, and I I catch myself in the mirror because I've naturally got like A cup boobs that are now between breastfeeding journeys there's not a lot of substance to them, but they are just at 
perfection at one missed feed. Sometimes <laughs> when I'm like, oh, I'm going out for an event, great. My boobs will be looking the best they look the whole time in this top because I've missed one feed. <laughs> I love it. Oh, no, That's no, the no. important part of it, you know. That's the reason yeah, I missed feed. <laughs> Absolutely. This is a big one and we chatted about this a little bit on our weaning episode and I know you have an entire online course around this as well. But say as you said, we're past that six to eight week mark. We haven't felt the need to give a bottle during that time. And our bub is now refusing it. What on earth do we do? Yeah, this is, yeah, it's huge. And there are some babies that are very, very hard to take a bottle and may not. We usually can get most over the line, but it it is a very, very tricky thing to, to do. So the first thing to remember is that this is a scary foreign object to them. And so the more that you push, the more you push that bottle in their mouth, mm. the more you make it a scary thing and they're crying, it's going to get harder. So you've got to take all the pressure off and use the bottle as a toy for a start. So for those babies who are really not putting it, you just give them a bottle that's empty in playtime and you know, put it to their mouth and they can suck and, and chew it and take the pressure away from because often babies are, by the time you've even got the bottle near them, they're already crying because they're so stressed out from you trying. So take that pressure off, stop the trying and play, play with the bottle. And then when they're happy with the bottle just around, you might just put a little bit, you know, 40 mils to the bottom of a bottle and let them play with it. And then inadvertently, they might get some of that in their mouth and realize it's not that scary. You could then just get the teat and put some milk into the teat and just hold it and see if they can take a bit. It's a little mm. bit less scary than having a huge bottle right there. So it's all about them realising that the bottle is not a scary, overwhelming thing. And once they're happy with that bottle around them and there's a little bit of milk in there, then you can be like, right, now we can get a bit tricky maybe and give that bottle when they're sleeping or give that bottle when they're really hungry or wake them up with that bottle because it's not a scary thing. And that's the simple way. I've really simpled it down because there's a lot of, there's a lot of steps, but that's the way where you would just take away the overwhelming nature of introducing a bottle, make it a happy thing, get them used to it, and then go for giving the milk. And is it true that they're less likely to take one off the breastfeeding parent? Like if someone else that's not breastfeeding them gives it, they're more likely to take it? Or have I just convinced myself that just to give Nick another <laughs> job? <laughs> In fact, don't answer that. We'll yeah. just stick with Sophie's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I used to think that was the case. And then I did a lot of research with bottle refusal and this IBCLC group that we that I do bottle refusal research with, um, we did come to the real- realisation that if we say that to people and we say that, that you're going to be the hardest one to, to give a bottle and we give that opportunity to someone else, the person that knows that the baby the best is the mum, usually, usually. And if we we can work out when our babies are done with trying, done or yeah. overwhelmed. Yes. So so certainly in my program, I the mum is the one doing it because to introduce a bottle to a baby who refuses. It's at least three weeks of every day, every awake time trying this bottle. And so we're like, oh, it's okay. We'll just give it to daycare or give it to dad or whatever. It's not really going to happen. And, I mean, maybe babies will take it more so from someone else, probably. But to actually get over the refusal, you're going to have to be doing it in every awake time for a few weeks right. and work out your baby's temperament around and when's the best time to try. So it doesn't work as much. And how do you know when it's general bottle refusal versus you should try a different bottle? Mm. Yeah. So usually it's not the teat that's the problem. Right. Babies can usually suck on any teat really. So I get my ladies in the program to buy a couple of different ones. I just tell them what to buy because we don't want to just use one. We want to give the baby two the, the two different types. And then we just stick with those. So really it's if you go out and buy seven different bottles and one day you're trying this, Tuesday you're trying that, it's so overwhelming. Just just pick one. I don't mind which one. Just, just pick one and stick with it and do that because it's all about getting over the stress of the bottle. Right. And if you heaps of bottles, it's too yeah. stressful. So 
pick one, pick two, and just use those two. Doesn't actually matter which ones they are. And how do you know how much milk to give in a bottle? Yeah. Okay. So if you are doing it as a complete feed, completely missed, missed breastfeed and you're doing a bottle, it depends often on the age of the baby, but say, you know, you've got a four month old or something like that. What I would do is I would probably start with more than what you would need and then you would just go down so it's more you, you're watching baby and looking at when they finish with the bottle because babies take such different amounts but we can work it out in so what we would do is we'd look at if a baby was breastfed and they were breastfeeding 10 times in 24 hours and usually you take 750 mils in 24 hours that's only 75 mils because they're doing 10 feeds that's 75 mils per feed which is quite small Babies that don't feed as much will take a bit more. But a formula feed, they often will take more formula than they would take at a breast feed. So what I would do is, I know this sounds all just very confusing, is I would just go with like 160 mils in a bottle, right? Give them, give them 160 mils. They're not going to take that. They're not. But you don't want to leave the daycare or who, whatever with too little. So the first time you could just give 160 mils and then you realize oh actually they only take 90 and then they're done so the next time you could be like right okay I'll just leave 140 the next time I'll leave 120 or something like that because we can't say what one baby will have and one baby won't have it's so different so I always am like give a bigger bottle and just watch baby and it doesn't because it's formula it's different when it's breast milk and you really don't want to, to lose it but with formula it doesn't matter if you make more and we've heard that formula is it a guideline on the back of what is recommended per weight and age but you can definitely go a little bit over or under like what you're saying depending on what your baby actually feeds like or is it different because that's purely focusing on a full-time formula fed formula fed bub yeah, so it's, so the ones on the back of the tin is focusing on a full time formula fed bub. Full time. I'm imagining them yeah, at work. I didn't full mean. Time. <laughs> <laughs> I love that we kept rolling with it. The, the baby, time. the baby's in a suit. Yeah, as false baby. Yeah, <laughs> got its briefcase full of bottles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that yeah, that would be for a only formula. But again, even that has a big range. So some babies will take more and some babies will take less. And really we work it out as with breastfeeding on weight gain through, through the first mm. year. For a bottle for just an ad hoc bottle, when your baby is a breastfed baby, we don't really go with the back of the tin because we have no idea what that baby would take. Because often with a breastfed baby who's having a formula bottle randomly, they just take enough to satisfy themselves. They're not chugging. Some will. Some will chug a whole bottle. But a lot of does. <laughs> <laughs> they just take. And, they, you know, they might be like, that's enough for now. That, you know, they might then in an hour's time want to have a little bit more if they haven't had the full bottle. So some will have a full bottle and be happy for a good three hours. Some will be like, oh, look, it's a bit of an effort taking a bottle. I'll take 50 mils. And then they might in an hour's time take another 50 mils just because they're just doing it just purely for the milk. The issue is with the formula tin, though, is there really a use-by or expiry date? Because when so you are many breastfeeding, people wrote this in. They're like, they I didn't even see expire. these, but they expire, especially if you're mixed feeding. You're like, fuck, I probably got like four scoops out of that and I've got now I've got to go buy a $30 or $35 can of formula again. Is well, there like any I want to leave it? like a tin at my mum's house, but we only visit yeah. every couple of months and every time I'm like, we don't want to throw that whole thing out. Can we use it or will they get sick? Well, yes, that it, there is an expiry. Imagine if I said there wasn't and then everyone went and used ex old. old yeah, very old, true, very true. Hilarious. No, they're, 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 they say, that, I mean, the, the, the risk of bacteria. And then you make it with milk but, and with water. But what I used to do, because my my first son I, I did mixed feeding with, is buying the sachets. Oh. Very expensive or not, I can't remember, but I used to just buy the sachets, which is a single use, and I would leave a box of sachets at my mum's 
and I would keep a box of sachets and just give them a, give them two sachets that they wanted for two That's feet. That's great. I have that problem where the formula expires when I've only used, you know, a quarter of the tin. So even if it is more expensive, it's probably still yeah. better yeah. than throwing away all the that whole tin. Yeah, formula. Yes. And but not all of the formulas have the sachets and that might be annoying if your baby will only take one type. Well, let's start on the sachets, people. Start on the sachets and work your way up. Um, it's interesting what you said about a baby that's generally breastfed, that they may just have a little bit because every now and again, Pearl will only have about 50 mils of it. And when she's done that a couple of times, we've assumed that's meant that she hasn't liked the formula, but maybe it's because she was just going to come back for another course later. Yeah, and because what we think, what we know with breastfed babies is they don't act like full formula fed babies who take big feeds and have big breaks. Breastfed babies feed randomly on us and we have no idea how much they're taking. So they might have a sleepy feed, 50 mils. They might take one side, they might have a mm. mass feed or they might cluster feed. And so our breastfed babies, the way their tummies are, their tummies are usually a little bit smaller because they have smaller amounts. And so they're not going to act like a baby who's used to having a big bottle of formula every three or four hours. They act differently. And speaking of formula, how do you pick one? Because they're not allowed to advertise. How do you know what ingredients you're looking for? Do you want cow? Do you want goat? Do you want organic? Do you like how do you know? And then you buy it and you've spent, as we said, thirty or forty dollars. I mean, obviously now we know to start with the sachets, but you know. <laughs> yeah. So the thing with the formulas is that they are all have slightly different compositions but if you're in Australia and, and, I'm, and I'm not I'm saying this because we have the regulatory bodies there's not going to be a formula on the shelf that hasn't gone through rigorous testing mm. to know that it's safe and it's got the nutritional value that your baby needs and so I, I can't as a health professional say one over the other and I don't even yeah. I mean I would have absolutely no idea you could go to a formula brand um, and they, you could go to their marketing and they would say all the great things that they, they think their formula is, but every other formula would do the same marketing. And as we know with marketing, it's, you know, it, it's not all. I don't think they're even allowed to do marketing though. Why? They can only market their toddler milks. I thought they could say on their tins some things on the front. Oh, maybe. Yeah, Just yeah, on, maybe. Not, on, yeah, not flyers or not like actually ads or anything. So like not that. on ads on TV. So it's like pretty much cigarettes. Yeah, they're not allowed to yeah. do ads. That's why you see toddler milks advertised a lot because it's really the only way I'm pretty sure that the brands can get their name out there because they're not, I'm, I'm fairly sure, don't hold me to this, but I'm pretty sure they can't Well, advertise. I was just going off the Google reviews of everyone else mm. saying what they would do. Oh, well, that would be because people could, I guess, go and write in. But, yeah, so, no, I, I think that you would know in Australia that everything that's sold is fine and then you just have to go with, I guess if your baby is happy with that taste, you stick with that one. If they don't like it, you would try another. But I know that there's uh, there's some that are better for, for for intolerances. Apparently, there's some that are better for. Well, they have the goat's milk. There's 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 lots of different ones. But really, I would have absolutely no idea because we just don't we don't know. But we know that they're fine. But we don't know if they do what they say they will do. Mm. And what are some signs or symptoms in a baby to look out for to ensure that they are tolerating the milk well? Yeah. Okay. So you will notice that if you if your baby is predominantly breastfed and then you went and introduced a bottle and then suddenly they were very cranky, unusually cranky for themselves. And then you might notice like the next day that their poos changed a little bit, was a bit more runny or a change of colour. That would be the tummy thing, like the digestive stuff. You would kind of notice as a mum, oh, I don't know, my baby's not as happy as usual, didn't sleep very well and is a bit more gassy or something like that. That doesn't mean that the formula is nothing, is that it's wrong, that it's, it's hurting them or anything. It just means that maybe they're getting used to it or maybe their tummy doesn't like it very much, not an allergy. But in terms of an allergy or an intolerance, you would then notice like a histamine response. So you'd notice a rash if your 
baby really, if your the body was not happy with it, you notice a rash, you'd notice a runny nose, like anything that they, with a histamine would do. That I don't think would be very common. It would be more the digestive stuff and more just like a little bit grumpy and cranky. And then you just think, oh, actually, the next time you give it, you're like, oh, actually, yeah, they mm. don't, they're not very happy afterwards. But the poos do change when you go, or is it just full-time formula when the poos change? If you're just giving really random amounts of formula, the poos shouldn't change. But if you are giving, you know, if you were doing half formula, half breast milk, then yeah, the poos would change. But a random thing, no, it, it shouldn't. And how long, I'm just fl- having flashbacks now, how long should you stay on one formula to know that you've given it a go and then, okay, that's not working, let's go to the next? Like should it be a whole tin, one or two weeks? Where are we aiming? Yeah, it depends on how bad you think your baby is symptomatic against that formula. If you're just like, I don't know, he was a little bit grumpy, but maybe he just didn't have a good sleep or, you know. Developmental. Uh, developmental. developmental. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it would just be if you if you feel like your baby is intolerant to something, I would be stopping straight away. But if you're like, actually, could have just been a bad day, could have been the fact that it's really hot outside or something like that, then you would, you know, give another go and try. It depends on you as a mum feeling if your baby is coping with it or not, I think. It's like everyone asking me at the moment if Pearl's teething. I'm like, aren't they all always yeah, teething? Forever. Like, there's exactly. no teeth popping out. But yeah, sure, she's rubbing her gut. Yumi's teething at the moment. Yeah. She's four and a half. <laughs> now, is there any evidence that a bottle of four formula at night helps babies sleep longer? Mm. There isn't. So what you might you may find is if you had a lower milk supply, so for a mum who was struggling with her breast milk and she had she maybe didn't have enough or just enough milk for her baby and she gave her baby this big bottle of formula, that baby mm. probably will sleep more for, for a bit. Is it worth the fact that the mum then, because she is already struggling with her milk supply, then gives a bottle of formula, then she's going to have even lower milk and it's going to just totally snowball into something that we don't want. So that would be a short-term thing. Yes, a baby would would conquer out for a bit because of that. But in terms of if you have a good milk supply and you have enough milk for your baby, no, there's no evidence that a formula Mm. will, you know, uh, make, make a baby sleep longer and also in breast milk we have um, the melatonin effects and we have the breast milk is quite sleepy and so overall over a 12-month period we've certainly got studies coming out that have shown that a predominantly breastfed baby will sleep better that the mums will have more sleep over that 12-month period than if they're a formula-fed baby. Wow. Yeah, so is that because, and the, the reasons we're thinking of the variables in the study, is it because if you're breastfeeding and your baby wakes, you can kind of just sleepily put them on the breast and then put them down, where if you're formula feeding, you're going out to the kitchen sorting out a bottle you're doing things so you're up and, and you're awake so these women these mums are having less sleep but is it because the baby's sleeping less or is it because it's a bit more fiddly with bottle yeah feeding night? breastfeeding is very easy to then go back to sleep so I found that when I was starting to mix feed and my child I guess my breasts were still getting used to the new milk that it was what missing (laughs) missing I would get mastitis quite a bit and I guess what I'm asking is why how and why yes yes good so certainly the first time I ever had mastitis is when I weaned my first child because I just went a bit too fast and then you've got yeah so it is a uh, mastitis doesn't necessarily only have to happen in the first newborn days. It goes on and you might not have mastitis for years and you could end your two-year journey and then next minute you've got mastitis. So what's happening is if you were missing feeds, this is the risk, is if you're missing feeds and you're not pumping, if you're missing one feed, as I was saying, is fine. But if you're missing more than one feed, this is when it becomes a big thing, is suddenly you have got a lot of milk there, right? And then you can get inflammation, not infection, you can just get inflammation and everything is really tight. And that can cause some block ducts and some engorgement in one area. And then if that is not cleared, then that's the risk of then 
getting mastitis and mastitis you will notice you would have a red area on your breast you might feel a lumpy area really hot to touch very sore and if it became bacterial infection that's when you would get the, the fever as well and so look it's not it's not a, a common thing with missing feeds but if your body is quite like I don't want to say precious susceptible to it yeah susceptible so then you would be like oh gosh every time I'm missing feeds I'm getting blocked ducts and I'm going to have to worry that it's not going to be cleared but you should if you do get a blocked duct you should find that if you had a really good breastfeed after that situation you should be able to clear it because it's only just happened you know like you've just Mm. it's only just you only missed those feeds you haven't left it there for days you then have a really good breastfeed and you might pump after to make sure that the breast is completely drained that should be fine but having blocked ducts and then turning into mastitis is something that we think about when we do have these big breaks of of feeding. I feel like now with the recent changes in the recommendations for mastitis, we should probably do a whole episode on mastitis. Mm. I feel like we need to to come back in and step by step everyone through it. Yeah, refresh. We'll we'll get scheduling. Don't you worry, everyone. Well, I feel like that's everything. I feel like I've learned a lot, even though I've like, you know, done this three times and just kind of made it up as I went along. But I feel like I've learned a lot from this. So thank you so much for joining us yet again, Susie, and sharing all your wonderful knowledge with us. Oh, my pleasure. I always love to join and chat. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.